0: Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. The NCAA tournament bracket preview show came and went. There's some things we like. There's some things we really don't like, but either way, Gus, we got a lot to talk about, don't we? Listen, I think the listeners are just glad that your voice is in here and just
1: not mine. I think everybody's saying hallelujah, uh, you know, and maybe their Jeff Buckley voice, that, that both of us are back together and they don't have to just be tortured with me telling them what's happening in the landscape of college basketball.
0: Gus, we have gotten so many positive comments on Twitter about that mid-major podcast. It, it's must-listen, folks. If it, Gus does it on Saturday mornings. We put it out there. They love it. New Mexico state i think we're the most popular podcast in new mexico state with jamario jones fantastic job thank you i was under the weather last week i apologize folks i am back i'm refreshed i'm replenished and i got a lot to say about this bracket (laughs) i think
1: now is a great opportunity just right at the front of the podcast to say thank you for all the people that tuned in to the mid major podcast over the weekend we kind of look at it as like saturday morning cartoons right like old school style you knew that you could bank on it every saturday morning that you're gonna watch like uh I don't know, amazing Spider-Man and his friends and maybe some Flintstones, and then you were pretty good to go back in the day. Mike, what in the world happened in this bracket breakdown on CBS? It seems like you're a little fired up over it.
0: Yeah, a little bit. So I basically spent the last three days as I was trying to recover focusing on predicting this bracket. Gus, we have a lot of pride here. We hold hope, as, as we always like to say. I held hope that I was going to go 16 for 16. Now, To pull the curtain back, when I ran in college, I was a sprinter in college, was captain of my team. I used to run against some of these Olympic guys. Gus and I did all the time. And Gus, we used to joke. Every time I got in the line, I thought I was going to win. Now, there was no – Not only Olympic guys. We ran – you, not we. You ran against NFL guys, guys that played in the NFL. I did. I, I was yeah, I was second yeah. leg on the four by two hundred at the finals at the Penn Relays and I look up as I'm marking off my steps and I see Tyrone Wheatley of Michigan next to me. Now a normal person says at this point, Oh, I'm in trouble, right? You know what right. Mike Randall says to himself? He's I I like 260 pounds. I got this guy. Right, Mike. He's 260 pounds and he's faster than you at 180. Okay? Right. So when I got that baton second, I looked up and Wheatley had already made the turn and I go, wow, that's an NFL running back for you. <laughs> Uh, we finished seventh out of eight. That was fine. But we got to the finals. Which was you made the awesome. finals. You made the finals. That's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a victory. And we beat somebody. I don't know who that was, but thank goodness. But anyway, so Gus, I have a dream. Like when we get to the bracket, you have a dream that you're going to go perfect. And I really tried. I put a lot, a lot of effort into this. I put it out on Randall Rant. Short Corner was out there Saturday. The site went down. I had to call Wicks, the whole thing. Got it back up. I, I, I personally think that Wicks went down because – You had
1: up, uh, you know, a prediction and a couple of our other, you know, college basketball friends, Lee Busby out there, like had college predictions up there. And I think just Wix was like, we're not ready for
0: this. We're not ready for this type of traffic. The password is great friend. That's what he is right there, folks. So uh, then I I updated it. So I really sent it out to Gus and Dr. Tony. I'm like, I think I'm going to get it right. Here we go. So let's take a look. So they okay. reveal the brackets, and the first line comes out, Gus. Virginia is the top seed. They go to the south. Villanova is number two. They go to the east. Xavier is number three, leapfrogging Purdue. They go mm-hmm. to the Omaha, and Purdue goes to the west. Some people were talking about Purdue not being a one seed. Some people were talking about Xavier. They're going to get up there, the whole thing. Not only did I go four for four, I got the regions right. So I'll tell right. you this, my friend. When this was over, this is how I felt. That's right. House of pain. I'm the man. I'm thinking right now, this is my time. This is it. I'm going 16 for 16. So it was off and flying after one seats. Gus, really quick. Any comments on those one seats? Here, here's my two cents. I think they got it right. Number one.
1: Number two, gotta love Xavier and their locality. I think a lot of Xavier fans would travel, no? And putting Purdue out West, I think is a little bit of a disservice uh, but if you're the lowest one seed, I totally get that part. But I think they got the one seeds as right as they could get them. How's
0: that? Totally agree. Purdue losing the last two games, I think, cost them. Mm. That oh, without, game, without question. That cost them the game in Omaha. I thought that was the switch. Xavier's been completely hot. Fantastic. Purdue going west is going to be tough, but they sent them out there. I agree, and there's no way Purdue's getting off that top line. I don't want to hear about the Big Ten being down. This is a team that is number two in the RPI. Their Ken Palm numbers are great. They are four and three against the RPI top 54 wins. They're in no debate. Now we get to the two line. So my two line was Kansas, Duke, Texas Tech, and Clemson. My argument was Kansas has big time wins. They have a tremendous RPI, great Ken Palm numbers, great conference, right? Duke. Five wins against the RPI top 50. They had big wins in the PK-80. So I think that they're solidly there. The Ducators don't like it. Texas Tech is coming on like a house of fire. No one's talking about them. They are first in the Big 12. We believe the Big 12 is the best conference or the strongest conference or most competitive, whatever you want to call it. Right. I I think they got to be a two seed. And then there's Clemson, who I thought was very similar, Gus, to Florida State last year, who had a two in this seed because of their big, big wins. Right. However, when it gets revealed, the top seed on the two line is Auburn. I have no problem with that. I really like Auburn. I just zero didn't. problem with that. No. In fact,
1: in fact, I I think they're doing exactly what you hope that they would do: is rewarding big wins and 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 not any terrible losses.
0: No, totally have no problem with Auburn. four, right. four and three against the the top fifty against the RPI top fifty. Their strength of schedule isn't fantastic. It's okay, but not great. It's down sure. a little bit, but I in the thirties. But I, I thought that that I think it's reasonable.
1: Listen, if you're if you're in the 30s, the strength of schedule, that's all you can ask for. Like yes, there's, you you can't control everything, but they did enough where that's not going to fall off a cliff.
0: No, it confused me because you know Tennessee strength of schedule is 12, North Carolina is two. So I thought that Auburn's strength of schedule would come into play because they had very similar numbers. Two teams like a North Carolina, two teams okay. like that, but right. it's fine. I, I have no problem. I think Auburn's great. This is fantastic. The six seed overall was Kansas. Then Duke was seven and Cincinnati was eight. And you know this because I was texting you. I really struggled. I wanted to put Cincinnati on eight. The main reason I did not is I thought – that they would be in trouble because they only have one game against the RPI top 25. I think they have four wins, something like that, against the RPI top 50. But the only game they played against the RPI top 25 – and again, this is not what I think should happen or Gus thinks should happen. It's what we thought they would think. Right. I thought they would knock them down a smidge. Why, Gus? Because last year, Wisconsin didn't even get in the top 16. So I thought they'd knock Cincinnati down. They did not. I'm fine with it. You know my thoughts on McCrone and the Bearcats. Today, they smoked SMU, no shake Milton, but they did. So they got the last seed. They ended up switching Cincinnati and Kansas. Kansas went to the West, Cincinnati to the South, which we'll talk about why later. However, Gus, um, I did get Kansas correct, but not in the right region. I got Duke right and in the right region, and my Texas Tech and Clemson were wrong. So after this line, this is how I felt. Only on this podcast can House of Pain be followed by Whitney Houston. Yes. I, I thought it was okay. <laughs> I thought it was fine. So, but I'm still hanging in there. Now we go to the three seeds. This is where I start to get worried. So the top overall three seed is Clemson. I'm fine with that, Gus, because they were my lowest number two. So I missed them by one, right? No problem yeah. there. That, you know what we call
1: that? We call that when I tell my daughter all the time when she goes back rim. I go, honey, that's a good miss. That's a good miss. Keep shooting it straight. Good I, miss.
0: I had Texas Tech at seven. They're 10. I still that think that's within the reason of good miss, although I do support the people on Twitter. And let us know what you think, at SDS Podcast on Twitter. A lot of Texas Tech support saying, what the heck do we have to do to get a one? And they were a three. Totally on board with that thinking. I was totally agreeing with your Texas Tech thought
1: process. And I think them at the three line is where you can – you know, the first thing you can call into question on the particular program.
0: Yeah, my big question there is they have five wins against the RPI top 50. They won at TCU. Then they beat Nevada, West Virginia, and Texas at home. So they have a solid strength of schedule. They play in a tough conference. They got four wins. I, I think a three is too low, but that's fine. And then the 11th team was Michigan State. Boy. It uh, makes me think, Gus, that if Michigan State didn't beat Purdue, they're not getting ranked. Now, people are screaming that Michigan State is a three. They want them to be number one. In fact, somebody wrote to us on Twitter, they're the number one team in the country. Folks, you may think that, and I have the winning national title, so you're preaching right. to the choir – but if you look at the numbers, I had them as a four because Gus, only two wins against the RPI top 50. Only two. I think this is where the difference comes in and
1: people need to like separate the two conversations. The way that they're going to predict the bracket and build the bracket is very different than how people are going to vote yes. every week for the yes. top but Yes, Yes. It, 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 th- those two things are completely – Well said. Uh, it's a, it's a, it, there's two separate conversations there. They're complete – opposite end of the spectrum. By no means should we go by the AP poll or the coaches poll or the USA poll or 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 oh, yes, absolutely not no way for this partic- pr- particular process. I just think that we need to try to educate the people out there and say like look, this is the th- these are the spectacles that they're viewing these teams through for the bracket release show. Boom, that's one set of glasses and one set of spectacles. So I, I think you have to look at it through two separate set of eyes.
0: They are consistent. You have to come up with a process when you're doing this. And I give a lot of credit to the committee. You have to come up with some sort of metric, some sort of measurement, because otherwise you're just going to be willy-nilly. It's going to be the eye test, which is a lot of fun to talk about in a podcast, but not too much fun when you're trying to, trying to be fair. Strength of schedule, Michigan State, Gus, 97th in the country. Non-conference strength of schedule, Michigan State, 248th. Terrible.
1: Absolutely terrible. And you saw that when when their schedule was
0: out. You saw that. Two and three against the RPI Top 50. That team to me was a four seed, but they beat Purdue, who is a one seed. So that's why they went into the three line. So I'm fine. Now on this one, Gus, I'm a little off because let's see. I got North Carolina and that's pretty much it, but not in the right region. So Gus, after this level, I was feeling... Yeah, little fallout boy, we're going down because I realized that my fourth line is going to be horrific. All right? So we go to the fourth line and this is where we could spend two hours on this podcast. Yeah. So I I think this is where we had the most debate uh,
1: uh, via Twitter and you know just over text message and so on and so on.
0: They have Tennessee as the first number four seed. Gus, I had Tennessee as my last three seed. So like you and your daughter, good miss. Fine with that in the south. Then they put in Ohio State. I struggled with Ohio State. I know they're leading the Big Ten, but so was Wisconsin last year. Ohio Mm -hmm. State, strength of schedule, 32, okay. Non-conference strength of schedule, 48, 3-4 against the RPI Top 50. I kind of thought Rhode Island should be there ahead of them. I also think you can make a case – For Gonzaga, but they're going to kill you on the strength of schedule there. When does head-to-head matter? I would think it would, right? When. when.
1: This is a win-loss situation. When that team beats that team, that should come into play. Like, Gonzaga's not in the Big Ten. They don't have the advantages that Purdue, Michigan State, and Ohio State have. So there's only so much they can do. What else do you want Gonzaga to do? Do you want want them to go play uh, Villanova in Madison Square Garden on the East Coast? Check. Do you want them to bring in Creighton, who's a ranked team all season, into their building to play them? Check. You want them to go to PK-80 and play a couple big-time games? Check. Preach! What else else do you want them to do in their non-conference? Preach, They played arguably the toughest neutral game in college basketball this year, playing Villanova at the Garden. Granted, they played poorly in that game. But what else do you want them to do? And they beat Ohio State head-to-head. Not
0: really sure where they're going here. Continue. I'm sorry. I think Beat is being kind. It was 86.59. <laughs> All right. So they beat him by 27, but I'm mad at myself, partner, because last year when Gonzaga having this incredible season and they're undefeated at this point and they're ranked number one in the country, do you remember? They were a four and it was close. The fourth number one. A, no, a right. fourth number one. So I should have known there's no way they're putting Gonzaga in, but I think good, I, good, was, good point. Good I was, I was swayed by the St. Mary's demolition <laughs> that occurred. We'll get to that later. Right, right. So good they got them in as, as the 14. And I, Ohio State would have been the team I would have probably switched in, either them or West Virginia. So I was fine with that. Right. 15's Arizona. This makes absolutely no sense. Their strength of schedule is terrible. They get destroyed. I know they had the 16-game winning streak. They only beat two teams in that run that are in the RPI top 50. They're not playing well. I don't know what they used. I can't find you a measurement, strength of schedule, RPI. I can't find you a metric that gets them in there. So that's why I put on Twitter, the only rationale I can say is – Oh, gosh, we don't have anybody west of Texas, so why don't we put Arizona in the west bracket? Uh, that, there's Name me the – what is the measurement that Arizona should be in over, let's say, Gonzaga, uh West Virginia, or Rhode Island? Neutral court
1: game. Who do you got? Arizona, URI. Rhode Island. Okay. 100%. Neutral court game. Who do you got? Arizona, Ohio State. <sighs>
0: Tough one, right? I'll Tough. say Arizona on that one. Okay. I will. Neutral court game. Who do you got? Arizona? Gonzaga? Twice on Sunday, Gonzaga. Not close. So, I mean, <laughs> sometimes you mentioned the eye test before. Maybe this is where it should come into play. Maybe. I have nothing against Arizona. I I, I, I like Arizona. I, we want Sean Miller to make a, a final four. We've talked about this. Right. right. Uh, strength of schedule, Arizona, 47th. Non-conference strength of schedule, 76. Now I'll do a little head-to-head for you against Rhode Island. RPI ranking for Rhode Island, 5. RPI Arizona, 18th. Record against the RPI Top 50, Arizona, 4-2. and two. Rhode Island, 3-3. Three and three. That's comparable. I do want to point something out. Arizona has not won one game, a true road game, against the RPI Top 50. They have three home wins, Gus. They have four wins against RPI Top 50. Arizona State, home. Alabama, home. Southern Cal, home, right?
1: Texas AM. I don't know where they're it ranked was in the a, RPI, neutral but home. Was a Neutral court. That was now, a listen, neutral court. Now listen, but
0: wasn't that in Arizona also?
1: It was, yeah. So is it that really- like, it was much
0: like that Kansas game that people don't want to say is in Kansas. And now let's look at Rhode Island. Home Providence. Home St. Bonaventure. They won on a neutral court against Seton Hall without their best player. And oh, by right. the way, we're beating Nevada when that best player got hurt. My point Correct. is this. It's very close. Higher RPI by a landslide, Rhode Island. I don't understand how they're not in over Arizona. The only logic, Gus, and this is fine if they want to do this. I can't stop them. We're going to put Arizona in because we want somebody in the West. I don't think they even – I don't think they measure up to West Virginia. West Virginia well, – has beaten Oklahoma twice, and they beat Virginia. I know they lost a lot of games. Who hasn't lost a lot of games? Arizona was 0 for the Bahamas.
1: (laughs) The place I was going to go, that's why I left West Virginia out of that little rundown with Arizona, because I was just going to ask you, West Virginia versus Oklahoma, neutral court. Like
0: They've beat them twice already. That's not even an argument. And that's my last one. So Oklahoma is 16. I would have put West Virginia in. On this one, Gus, I had in order – Michigan Mm -hmm. State, Rhode Island, Gonzaga, West Virginia, the correct order, Tennessee, Ohio State, Arizona, and Oklahoma. Therefore, Gus, this is the song that sums up the day. (laughs) Uh, We gave it a shot. Uh, We'll be back again, partner. The Oklahoma-West Virginia one is bizarre. Who's ranked higher in the Big 12 right now? West Virginia, Oklahoma. West Virginia. Who won the head-to-head competitions? West Virginia, Oklahoma. West Virginia. Who beat Virginia this year? West Virginia, Oklahoma. What's that <laughs> guys? It's a potential Well, yeah, but West Virginia's lost 612 games in a row, guys. Everyone's lost games. That's why we're here. That's why you had a tweet of a flaming bracket going up in the air from the guy who works <laughs> at CBS. That's the problem. We've all lost. Okay, that's the issue of Oklahoma. And I said this to you. I did tweet this to you on Saturday. I said Oklahoma's got a shot to grab one. But once Oklahoma lost – was it Iowa State this weekend? They played – I think mean, it was Iowa State, right? Right, right, right. I, I thought they were gone for sure. So I took them out. But
1: number one, obviously they didn't take into account the games on that weekend into their preview show. They said they I did. Think I think they They said
0: they did. They I, said don't they, think, they, I, I don't think they did. They I said they, they – well, he told. He said we were on a conference call last night at 10 p.m. until well past midnight. That's what he said. I think the conference call ended in we're just going to go with what we have. <laughs> That's what the conference call
1: ended with, okay? We wouldn't do that. We'd screen the screen and do that. We would not do that. No, no. We're coming at you guys like, you know, as much as we can. Like, there's no chance. I think that's how the conference call ended.
0: The the conference call ended is the checks in the mail, right? Here's my other take with this. This
1: is the absolute anchor of our sport that everything orbits around every year, okay? It is, one, a TV show. It is, two. The best reality TV show that you could ever hope for. It is three, completely unscripted, except for this part. They want some control of the absolute madness that's going to take place in March. And the way that they're going to do that is, you know what they're going to do? They're going to give you Arizona. They're going to give you a team out west that you can latch on to uh, west coasters. Congratulations. You know what they're going to do too? They're going to give you the most polarizing player in college basketball this year so far. Arguably the player of the year in the nation, Trey Young. Because it's a TV show. Because it is the best reality TV show that any network has going out there. And it's uncontrollable and unpredictable once the thing gets going and they start the clock. So they want to have a little bit of control Bingo, bango. That's why they gave you Oklahoma and Arizona where they were.
0: Great diatribe and to make you feel any better. As you were doing that, someone else favorited the Jamario Jones suite that you sent out. Just want to let you know that while you were going off on that. It's well done. <laughs> Jamario Jones is the man. Uh, all right, partner. Let's get to the games here. You saw a lot of these. I saw some of these. A little under the weather. I, I, I'm going to tell everybody right now I saw a ton. Oh, uh, this is great. So I'll uh, I'll just set it up here and you knock it out of the park. We'll start on Saturday. I saw this one. Butler, again, was doing what Butler does to Villanova while Villanova shorthanded, but then Villanova puts up a 51 spot in the second half. Number one ranked at the time, probably not tomorrow. Uh, Villanova Wildcats 86, Butler 75. Okay, so here's my two cents on this. Number one, Villanova's awesome. Okay,
1: even shorthanded, they're awesome. Number two, the reason that Butler – always gives Villanova trouble, especially over the past two or three years, is very simple. And I think it's one of the most ignored things in Big East basketball and in college basketball nationally. Every single time Villanova takes the court, they enjoy a huge advantage at the point guard position with Jalen Brunson. He is arguably better than pretty much anybody he's going to be matched up against any night. You can pick out a handful of players that he's not Trae Young? Sure. Javon Carter? Maybe even. I don't know. Keenan Evans? Sure. Let's call it a draw. You know who else is a draw? Kamara Baldwin. And that's not acknowledged by anybody in the nation. Those two guys play each other to a standstill every single time they match up. Both guys know it. Brunson knows it and Baldwin knows it. They both know that they are going... Mono, Imano, and they are like whoever wins that matchup wins that game. And go ahead, take a look. Who's won the matchup the last couple of times? Like Baldwin's come up big time a bunch of times against the number one team in the country, a defending national championship, uh, a champion team from two years ago. And 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 Butler's won this game a a bunch of different times. And so it's no surprise that when you look at the box score, when both of them have twenty five plus. Baldwin is criminally underrated uh, on the national scene, and I hope that he stays another year and he blows up and has a Brunson-like year next year. So that's him- that's why Butler always, always, always
0: plays Villanova tough. You make a great argument, partner. Baldwin, sophomore, 16 points per game, 5.1 rebounds, 3.1 assists. He had 25 points in this game, 7-7 from the free throw line, 2-4 of from three-point range, had 19 in their first matchup as well, as, as well. Very strong argument. Butler gives him a problem. I agree with you. Very well done. I think you're spot on there. Excellent, excellent job. Number two, I did not see this. I was at a high school basketball sporting event, which was very exciting, by the way. That was a separate guest, maybe a separate podcast for another time. Sure. But Gus, could you inform me how uh, Virginia Tech went into Virginia? I did lose this one if gambling were legal because they've covered for a month and a half. Uh, Virginia Tech, 61. Virginia, 60. In overtime. Buzz Williams, great job. How is Virginia Tech, who's not exactly known for their stellar half-court defense, go in and derail the Cavaliers? Two things here. Number
1: one, the halftime interview with Buzz Williams was really telling. He was totally locked into this matchup and knew the urgency that this game gave to his program. He gets this game. They're in in March. Lock it up. They lose this game. Not only are they firmly on the bubble, they're on the wrong side of the bubble. He said, we need to get more shots up against them because they play at a certain pace. I am not happy with the number of field goal attempts. We are going to get some more quality shots up in the second half and we are going to stay in this game and we are going to fight and claw. That's exactly what they did. You know what they also needed? They needed a little luck. They needed Hall to miss a few free throws in overtime. Hall, who is arguably, you can argue like, guy you can argue jerome you can argue wilkins all four of them are unbelievably uh, valuable for team on both ends of the floor because virginia is so dynamic on the defensive end of the uh, of the floor Hall missed two free throws he missed the front end of a one-on-one and he missed another senior
0: one. leader senior leader too
1: so if you're going to miss two of those free throws in overtime in a close game guess what's going to happen you're going to have an opportunity where blackshear can get an offensive rebound off of a great robinson miss on a drive and then he's going to make his free throw, and then boom, you lose the game. So this game kind of speaks a little bit like the Purdue loss to Ohio State. Like, listen, a great team played incredible against you. They got a a great play that went their way. You shake their hand at the end of the game and say, great game. We're going to try to tee it up next time and get it right, and try to clean up one small thing, the one small thing that UVA is going to try to clean up, it hits one of those free throws. We're talking a different story right now.
0: You know, and it's interesting, Virginia Tech winning 33-26. So it's interesting that Buzz Williams had that take, and they were actually winning by seven. Second half, crazy. Virginia Tech only scored 16 points. Virginia scored 23. They go to the overtime. Hall with the big misses. Well done. I think it's a great transition to our next game, Purdue. I do have a different take on that than you. Purdue loses at Michigan State 65-68. This was a must-win game for Michigan State. Not a must-win game for Purdue in any way, but it was close. It was crazy. And by the way, Gus, the line was three. (laughs) The script is out there.
1: What are you going to do with Purdue? Are you going to guard them one-on-one with uh, Haas down low and then not double off their three-point shooters? Or are you going to double Haas down low when they feed him the ball? And are you going to leave those three-point shooters open? The script's out there. People have been copying it. Michigan did it first. And now people are just letting Haas go do what he does and then staying on those three point shooters so they don't get destroyed by uh, uh, Purdue's unbelievable accuracy from three. Now, what does Painter do to counter this? You want to see what Purdue does moving forward to see what they can do to counter this blueprint because it's out there for them to be defeated. I mean, if you go, if you hit the rewind button like two weeks, We're talking about Purdue blowing people out by 15 points, 17 points, 18 points. But now it seems like they're just going to let Haas do his thing down low and not go off those shooters. So Mike, what in the world is Painter going to do in reaction to everybody in the Big Ten and maybe everybody in the nation following that game plan to beat them?
0: Well, what he's going to do is he's going to prove me right or wrong because this is where Matt Painter is going to earn his money. I understand he has a great team, he's a great point guard, Prince does everything for this team. Haas is, in my mind, the MVP, but he's still a seven foot two guy averaging five rebounds a game, which is unacceptable. His scoring has been tremendous. The reason I bring up the five rebounds is, I think that unless Haas, Caleb Swanigan was double double machine, Angel Liguado right. was double double machine, right. Haas is not. Okay, so I think they're going to take their chances against Haas. Here's my issue with Purdue. I don't think. Blowing a thirteen-point lead at home to Ohio State and then losing on the road at Michigan State is as simple as saying, "Oh, great game, nice." Job. No, I don't think so. I, I and I heard you compare it to the Gonzaga game. That's different. Gonzaga last year, the BYU, they won the whole thing. They destroyed the conference. Saint Mary's is 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 their Saint Mary's uncle. Okay, the whole thing. Right? And they lose it on the BYU. I tried to make it a big deal last year. In the end, it wasn't. This is a problem. Right, you because even Painter acknowledged at halftime or yeah. after the game rather, they can't close teams out, and good teams, good teams that is. So listen, Purdue is solid. They are not getting upset early in the NCAA tournament. They are not going out early, not with Haas and with Carson Edwards and that Math- no way, absolutely not. However, I think they're a lock to the Sweet Sixteen. But I think you really have to look deeper at the matchups. The reason I like Michigan State here is because I think, Gus, this was the only team that I know of. And the Ohio State thing was sort of an odd situation. But I knew Michigan State could throw three bigs at him. They could throw bigs at them. They could throw Nick Ward at Haas. That's they right. could throw Jackson for a little bit at Haas. Schilling. They could throw Kenny Goines at Haas. They could throw guys at Haas and they had guards. Now, their guards are not as good as Purdue's, of course. But they do have guards that can sort of hang with them. So I really like Michigan State to win this game. Neutral court, different story. Everybody this year has warts. Absolutely. Every team has warts. This is not Kentucky of years ago. Right. This is not Wisconsin from that year, right? Guess what? There's no Frank Kaminsky. Right. Guess right. what? There's no
1: Carl Anthony Towns. Yes. Guess yep. what? There's no Anthony Davis.
0: North Carolina last year. Same thing. Yes. That's the issue. We've seen, And there's been times, especially the last couple of years, when we look at the brackets and say North Carolina's going to fall for North Carolina's going to fall for Last year, you love Kentucky. Kentucky's going to the Elite Eight. I don't – you're not going to see that this year. So my question is whoever gets to the final four, they're going to have warts. Purdue couldn't close out teams. Oh, they made the final four anyway. Okay, Kansas, up and down. Oh, they made the final four anyway. Villanova, no bench. Oh, they made the final four anyway. So it's not that there's a wartless teams. I I need to stop looking for that. Purdue's warts are as small as anyone else's. It took
1: two great plays from two great players
0: that's a, good point. that's a good point yeah that's
1: fair to that's fair. bring that's them down
0: fair. that's fair it took an point.
1: offensive rebound by Cade Bates Diop who is arguably the big uh, 10 player of the year for them to lose it took a big onions three by Miles Bridges to take them down which is not the design play to, for them to lose so it took two massive efforts yeah, by two unbelievably talented players for them to lose
0: no, that's true. And the Michigan State loss doesn't really bother me. But blowing a 14-point lead at home to oh, Ohio State yeah. without one of their starters, that yeah, one bothers me. Yeah. That one bothers me a little bit because I know Diop had to make the move, but they already blew the lead. And right. they, they shoot better at home. Their fans are nuts there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah. Mackey's crazy.
0: <laughs> Listen, if they don't shoot their three well, they may get upset in the tournament. But you can say that about any team. So I don't think that's really fair. I think their warts are less than almost anyone else, even Villanova. Uh, so I, agree. I agree. Last I agree. thing
1: on this game because I, I did watch a lot of this game. PJ Thompson, uh, you know, you know, makes makes a shot. They win this game. Yeah, he was invisible, invisible. I know he's one of their senior leaders. I get it. He's been through the wars. They trust him, you know, blindly. He makes an open three. Make uh, he he makes a play. If he makes a positive play, they win this game. That's my last. Uh, and you know what? Moving forward, he will. But in this game, he did not.
0: Number five, Xavier, 72, Creighton, 71. This was fishy. Gus and I were talking about it because Creighton was favored by one and a half, which made no sense to me when they don't have Crample as one of their starters. But it was a great game back and forth. Not a big game for Blewett, but other guys picked up big time. Take us through it, Gus. And of course, that call at the end we'll talk about. Go ahead. The only thing it didn't keep to the script on was the score. You
1: thought with Xavier and Creighton, this game would be in the 90s, right? So well, and, Ble-
0: and no, it, right? And
1: it didn't. Uh, six points for it, Right, right. And it was kind of invisible in this game, which is like a little out of character for him. So I think this falls into the, the same category we talked about before on the podcast with, with, with Xavier. Like they don't get a great game from their all-American candidate, yet they still find a way to squeak out the game. Now, let's get – let's just fast forward straight to the end, right? So number one, the foul on it Could have been a no call. He kind of st- sidestepped it. If you go back and hit the rewind button and, and look at his call that he got on his four-point play against Georgetown, he was much more in the line of fire. Like, he definitely got fouled. This one, he totally knew where he was at, tried to sidestep it. They still called it anyway. So that I felt like that was like a hometown call. But then on the other end, when Gooden goes down— and, and and drives the lane, and there's a whole bunch of contact that looked a little bit like a no call there, but I think the the ref said like we missed that call down the other end, so we're going to call this call here. So I felt like I felt like it was a makeup call in some strange you know, it, way it, for Gooden to get to the line to win it with two free throws.
0: Yeah, I, if that's the answer, I'll take it. <laughs> to be honest because i thought the blue it one was yeah, questionable but yeah. this good this good one is horrific right. this is her- bo- both guys have their arms up they're both backing up they both he called a block that both players are backing up this one was horrific but again i didn't mind it because i agree with right. you to to get fouled on a three and make three free th- that's you know i was I, I but my 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 fact is this was a terrible call
1: i get the flow of the game and understand what the rest are trying to do I think in both, you know, both regards, like just swallow the whistle both times. How's that? Is that is that
0: fair? Yeah. I'd much rather have that. But big win for Xavier. We talked about those four games, man. Right. I know. I know. They're 2-0. and oh. They won the two road games. They're hosting Seton Hall, who's in free fall right now. Okay. Q Tom Petty. <laughs> and then Villanova. So a uh, big, big win for them to 2-0 right now. They're looking good. Uh, I'm just going
1: to shoot my own, horn, own whore here.
0: Look, Who good. Who called Purdue in the Absolutely. final four? Three six. Looking good, man. Number two, number Looks one, six? Darn one. good. Absolutely, okay. 100%. Toot away. Just throw, throw that train. out. Thomas hit it. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen now, but... It- Excellent pick. Absolutely. And right now... You can make an argument with those other two losses. They've been the most consistent one seed. I know they were the three seed, but they passed Purdue, and that's saying something. Number seven, Texas Tech destroys Kansas State. Only thing that I think is worth talking about here is Kansas State's a tough place to play, partner. And can Texas Tech went in there and pretty much kicked their Fanny all over the place, 66 47. Texas Tech is underrated the whole entire year. They're underrated in the, the bracket preview show.
1: They're underrated in rankings. They're just underrated. Period. End of sentence. I don't think it's crazy that they end up winning the Big 12 and get a one seed.
0: How about that? I actually consider putting them on the one line. The only reason I can't is, of course, you know, Zach Smith injury. They stumbled a little bit. They had the loss to Seton Hall earlier in the year. That was a road game, Madison Square Garden. Then after the injury, of course, they lost at Texas, at Iowa State, back-to-back. They lost to number nine Oklahoma on the road, but then they beat West Virginia, and now they've righted the ship. They won six games in a row. They beat Oak State at South Carolina, Texas in overtime at TCU. Iowa State, and then destroying Kansas State. Their upcoming scheduled partner, Oklahoma at Baylor at Oak State, home Kansas at West Virginia TCU. I mean,
1: that's like near impossible. They perform well. They deserve that one seed. They're going to beat Kansas. They're going to be a desperate TCU team. They're going to beat Trey Young in Oklahoma. They deserve that one seed.
0: Number eight, Auburn seventy eight, Georgia sixty one. Auburn had the tough loss to Texas A and M at home. They bounced back with a huge road win. Can we just say Auburn's really good too? Imagine if they had those guys. You know, if they had those guys,
1: they might not be doing what they're doing
0: because they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be playing that. They, they wouldn't be playing the system that they're playing right now. Who knows? But if he put them together, they could be number one team in the country. Oh, I
1: love what they're doing, Mustafa Heron. Again, I, I I love Harper. Everything that they're doing is right. You love what Bruce Pearl is doing, and you like that they have them buying into what he's doing.
0: Since November 17th, partner, Auburn is 20-2. and two. Stop their it. Only, stop they Their, only, their stop. only losses, everybody has an odd hiccup, at Alabama without Sexton sure. and Texas A&M, who, by the way, is on fire right now. Right. We'll talk about that a little bit. Take heed, NCA. Texas A&M is back. That is not a bad loss at
1: all. No, and that was a terrible matchup for Auburn, too, because like Texas A&M actually has like bigs that Auburn currently can't deal with. So that, that makes perfect sense. I, I, I get that loss.
0: Baylor 80, Kansas 64. <laughs> I bet all
1: right, Kansas. all right. L- l- listen, 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 listen. All right, all right. <laughs> Listeners out there, we're, we're just going to put a little pause on the rundown. We understand the upset. We understand Baylor's desperate. We get that part, right? Okay, Imano LeComp, sure. The whole thing. If gambling was legal, Mike Randall, what
0: is your take on this game? It's very simple. Kansas is in game wagering. That's what they are. I have watched so many Kansas a- a- games. Hashtag in game wagering. I know within the first five minutes, of every single one of their games, except for West Virginia, right? who had a catastrophic offensive nuclear meltdown in the second half. But if the team has some semblance of consistent offense or an option, a big, you know, in five minutes, the way to bet Kansas for me, and I haven't won a Kansas bet in what, over two years now? Yeah, right? I think we're two years in running now. Uh, you're, when I you're before like them, they lose eight
1: this year, right? Or 0 for, uh, oh for six?
0: Man, at least they're in game wagering. All right. Once Svi Mihailik gets a black eye in warmups. All right. Devonte, this is true. Devonte Graham misses his first three three pointers. Can't make a shot early. And as a bookie, as a bookie gets two fouls before I even finish my beverage, I'm going to go to my computer, and I'm going to look at the in game line. I know whether Kansas is winning based on their first five minutes. Kansas is in-game wagering. That's what I have to say about this game. Kansas hashtag in-game wagering. Baylor broke their 11-game losing streak to Kansas, by the way. Oh, the next game, I don't know if you knew about it. Gonzaga went to St. Mary's, took them behind the shed, and absolutely destroyed them. 78-65. This game mystifies me. Hackman with a fantastic performance, four points for Hackman <laughs> on two of four shooting, okay? Th- this what, what, is all what does I'll that say, field goal attempt number even mean? And, and this is what I'll say and then please take over, do whatever you okay. want. Okay. <laughs> yes. Very Yet funny. again, like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football, I believe in St. Mary's and sure enough – they come up again and bite me. When I like them against uh, – when I like Gonzaga against them, they win. Now they go home in a game they really needed to lock up. They could win the West Coast Conference outright, right? The whole thing pretty much. Home game. And home game. They lay a stinker. So let me get this straight. Okay. yeah, yeah St. Yeah. Mary's – set, set the bed and then we'll go. We'll go. Yeah. Uh, no problem. Yeah. I'll set the bed for you right now. Okay? <laughs> so yeah. get all nestled in there and I'll give it to you right now. It, riddle me this, Batman. Ready? Yeah. They go to the kennel to Gonzaga. St. Mary's shoots 8 of 13 from three point range. Hackman's got 26 and 12. They pretty much dominate Gonzaga all over the place, play fantastic, fanta- big win on the road. Gonzaga can't figure out what to do with them. Gonzaga can't shoot the threes anymore. It's over. They dominate on the road. They come home where they shoot better. They come home where they have their fans. They pack the place. Hackman has four points. Three pointers. They shoot five of 20. Gonzaga. All of a sudden, starts t- you know tickling the twine from three point range with seven three pointers, killing until he becomes the human eraser. Jonathan Williams is out of control now. Eleven rebounds, zero against Villanova, eleven against St. Mary's, and all of a sudden, Norvell Perkins and Melson and Kispert are flying up the court like Santa Monica Track Club back in the '80s. <laughs> Can you explain this to me, Gus? Obviously, I watched all of this game.
1: One, they got out early and they got out often. They put a beating and got a lead out in no time. They were aggressive early and they were definitely the more, I don't know, competitively ready team to play that game. I think St. Mary's felt like they were at home and a little too comfortable and there was a little desperation on the Gonzaga end and that showed the first five minutes. Second thing, completely different game plan from the previous game from coach few one you know and again we talked about this pre-podcast but like you know that jonathan williams went to coach few and said coach i got jack i got him leave me alone on him i'll take care of it for you and then he blew him up and that didn't work out first game right
0: what, did did Few not notice that in like midway through the second half? I, I mean, did was he still fly fishing? Like I get it, you know, the senior. But like Mark, you get paid a lot of money, man, to tell Jonathan Williams, listen, big guy, I know you got it, okay? But you also had no rebounds at Villanova, babe. So why don't you take a seat here and let Killian take care of it, all right?
1: And this is the beauty of Mark Few because he empowers his players and allows them to have some input on the situation. And then when it's not correct – He jumps in and plays the authoritarian figure. So he changes the game plan. He says, Killian, guess what? You got Jacques. Guess what? We're going to double off of him, and we're going to live with them taking contested threes, and we're going to ask everybody to hustle back out and rotate over on those threes when we double down on the potential first-team All-American. Not anymore. That change in game plan, putting Tilly... A one-on-one on uh, Jacques Landell and then doubling off of him obviously played huge dividends early because I think St. Mary's was assuming they were going to go with the original game plan. And it took St. Mary's the entire game to adjust. And guess what? When you're down 15 and you're down by more than what you have, you're not going to get back in the game. And they didn't get back in the game. Did they adjust eventually in the second half? Sure. But if you have a double-digit deficit... You're not going to make up that double-digit deficit due to the pace of play that you play, St. Mary's. So it's almost like St. It's almost like Gonzaga wrote the perfect script. Let's surprise them and let's go bananas on the defensive end and really be aggressive. Let's get out and put uh let's put Killian Tilly on him and then double off of the three-point shooters. And oh, by the way, can we just can we just call it what it is? Rui Hachimura was the best player on the floor in that
0: game. Uh a guy I was worried about. That was the guy I was totally worried about. He dominated. He's just coming into his Best player own, on the floor. He's the best player on the floor. He's just getting warmed up, and he could absolutely carry them to a Final Four. No doubt about it, He's a special player. So,
1: I mean, we got to see – we were lucky enough to see Atsutokoubno in person and see like how gifted he was at the Garden with uh, watching the Bucs and the Knicks. And by no means are we saying that Rui Hachimura is as gifted or as talented or is going to be a first-team all-NBA player like uh, you know, like Giannis is. But he does some of the similar things. It's a, good, it's
0: a fair comparison,
1: 100%. He gets a defensive rebound, and he does not look to outlet it. You know what he looks to do? He looks to pound it on the floor and beat everybody else up the floor with his dribble. And then by the time he gets to the three-point line, he probably needs about one dribble to get to the rim. He's an unbelievably unique player athletically. And they've done such a good job with him, of course, during their redshirt year. Like, he's now, like, gifted athletically and skilled. Just like every Gonzaga player that's gone through that redshirt program. So, they like, he is just going to – I can totally see him being one of these players that explodes in March. And they do, like, the feature piece on him. Um, you know, on CBS and like, he's the guy that they talk about.
0: I can totally see that happening. You know, what keeps coming up to me after, after watching this game and, and, and talking to you about it. Remember in roadhouse where Patrick Swayze's walking around, telling the bouncers that you have to outthink them. You have to expect the unexpected. That's what this game is. Expect the unexpected. It was unexpected that Gonzaga would get knocked on their fanny by St. Mary's at home and a team they've always dominated. It was unexpected that Jock Landell would finally figure out to stop fouling and dominate inside. It was unexpected that Mark Few would not figure out to make the adjustment in-game. And it was unexpected that St. Mary's, after all this, in their season and their chance to get Gonzaga, after they're coming off losing their top three scores and going to the NCAA championship game, would get their fannies kicked at home and not have any adjustments. But that's why we love college basketball. You have to expect the unexpected. And you were right and I was wrong. It's few. It's history. It's coaching. It's Gonzaga pride. It's we're king of the WCC and it's still St. Mary's and it's still Hackman and it's still Mike Randall. And that's what should have been expected. (laughs) (laughs) What do we got next? (laughs) All <laughs> uh, well, right, let's just whip through a couple more games here. Right. we got a couple other things to do. Arizona beats USC eighty-one sixty-seven. of course, because they knew they were going to get a top 16 team, top, top 16 seed. What are your thoughts on Arizona moving forward? And USC, are they done?
1: No, I don't think USC is done. I think USC has something interesting. I think that in this game, I saw them play uh, McLaughlin and, and Thornton together. And I think that might be something that they do moving forward. Um, they had Stewart at the three, and uh, obviously Boatwright and Metu were in there as well. So I kind of like them playing the dual point card thing together. I think if they can get a couple more games and figure that out, that might be something that they might want to do in the tournament and have great ball security so they can get their get the, the ball to their uh, scores in, in successful positions. And Arizona, I mean, what else is new? They struggle against the zone. It's very similar, I feel like, to the Purdue predicament where the last couple of teams have gone zone against Arizona because Washington had such success with their zone against Arizona. USC threw a whole bunch of zone out there. Uh, So I want to see how Arizona responds and see if they can get something rolling uh, against the zone. You thought that maybe they would put Trier in the middle of that zone or something like that. So you want to see both things. You want to see what the dual point guard situation does with USC, and you want to see if uh, Arizona can respond to the zone.
0: Number 14, Ohio State, they much higher, 82, Iowa 64. Hashtag Chris Hultman for coach of the year. you okay with that?
1: Oh, I'm very okay with that, especially yeah. with the expectations coming in.
0: I'm going to have a Valentine on Wednesday for Mick Cronin, but my, my Valentine on the side, if things don't work out, is definitely Alabama. Alabama 78, Tennessee 50, the Crimson Tide are rolling, partner, and they're going to be very, very dangerous.
1: We've talked about their starting five. We've talked about Avery Johnson, who's had success on multiple levels as an executive, as a coach. They have an unbelievable athletic starting five. And if you're Tennessee, you knew you were going to take one of these losses to one of these strong SEC teams. It could have been Alabama. It could have been Kentucky. It could have been Florida. It could have been, you know, whoever's next on the schedule. That's who it could have been. It just happened to be Alabama this time. And I think Alabama is one of those teams in that seven – 6-8 range in seeding that we might need to pay attention to Alabama does have that like South Carolina feel as a 7 seed making the final 4 don't they
0: Tennessee, I'm looking at, and I really should have dropped them. I shouldn't have kept them as a three. They should have went to the four, and I would have avoided calling myself a loser on the podcast. Couple, <laughs> couple no, more by, by the f- way,
1: nothing wrong with a little Beck. Anytime you have a little Beck, on, uh, you, you
0: can include him on the podcast. I'm good with. So let, let, let's just roll with that. I'm good. As a singer or a drink. <laughs> Iowa State, 88, Oklahoma, 80. Oklahoma with another loss here. Iowa State has pretty much been money at home, at least keeping it close, except for the Tennessee game. Oklahoma still getting a four seed here. I don't expect that to continue in a month. Iowa
1: State was playing without one of their backcourt, uh, one of their best players in the backcourt in this game. So that that was really the most surprising result from this game yep. That, yep. that they were able to garner this win without one of their top players. I, I, you know what? I think that I, I I think the gig is up. I think people figured out that the you know you take the head from the snake here, and, and this team is very vulnerable and very average. And I think as much as we pointed out with like. Arizona having struggles with the with the zone i I think Oklahoma really has to figure out what are we gonna do if everybody stops that second touch for Trey young
0: raise your hand if you had Oak State winning at Kansas and at West Virginia within a week of each other I don't have my hand up do you have your hand up partner
1: uh, I I don't see many hands up no West Virginia I'm looking around the classroom I don't see many hands up.
0: West Virginia, bizarre. They lost five out of six there. We thought they righted the ship. They beat Kansas State. They win at Oklahoma. Then they come home and lay an egg against Oak State. Great job by Mike Boynton.
1: I totally undersold them. I picked them for last in the conference. And who knows who's going to finish last now? It's a total crapshoot. West Virginia, hit the restart button. Let's go. Like, I know you're trying to integrate a mod and, 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 and you effort, and that's your thing. Here's what the problem is was West Virginia. It's very cyclical. Every single game that West Virginia has lost, one of those arrows gets crinkled. And then their whole system of how they win games goes awry. They press. They get easy buckets. They go ahead and blow people out. In order to press, they need to get the easy buckets. If they don't get the easy buckets, they cannot press to blow people out. So once they get struggles on the offensive end, they cannot set up their press, which is their identity, and they cannot blow people out. And then they struggle on the offensive end. If they have everything rolling, they look like one of the top 10 teams in the country every year, no doubt. However, if they go ahead and can't hit a couple of jumpers and start their press up and then get some easy turnovers and then get some easy layups, then guess what? It just keeps going and going, and then that offensive drought c- continues to roll, and then that two-point deficit turns into an eight-point deficit and turns to a double-digit deficit, and then, boom, West Virginia loses.
0: All right, a couple left, partner. We'll do these quick, and then we'll, we'll move on. North Carolina, 96, wins at NC State, 89. little payback for the Tar Heels?
1: A little bit. You thought this game would be a little bit more spicy, especially with Joel Berry saying that maybe NC State isn't quite the rivalry that it is with Duke. So you thought that maybe... Uh, Coach Keats' team would be have that like uh, I don't know on the on the bulletin board, but how
0: about this? Uh, if UNC gets this playing small thing right. I think this is really intriguing moving forward. People in like North Carolina being a three C partner. There's no argument. They got six wins against <laughs> the RPI top fifty, and they got a number two overall in the country strength of schedule. It's really that simple. Sometimes
1: they're a solid three or four. No arguments. Just drop drop it from there. They they belong. They belong in the preview show.
0: Wichita State 95, Connecticut 74. I'm telling you, Wichita State is coming. They're going to get things right. I believe in them. I am not going off that chip. Nevada 23, San Diego State 58. Caleb Martin with the Lis Frank injury in his ligament in his foot, Musselman comes out. I don't know when he's going to be back. I don't know. And all of a sudden he's back a game later after they lose to UNLV. That bother you a little bit? Oh, you just going to tell me he's Superman? Like, like all of a sudden, like he's back. Does that mean either he wasn't that hurt, or does that mean he's now hurt again and we're sacrificing his health? In order to beat San Diego State,
1: I think it's worth paying attention to. I'll tell you right now, though, Musselman has proved to be like a really wily coach. I'm going to compare him a little bit to Belichick here, where Belichick is always like unbelievably crypted, cryptic, and secret with the with the uh, injury report each week. I think he was just pulling a card out of a great coach's uh, pocket and and doing the exact same thing. And here's what I hope. I hope like you, I hope that Caleb is like square and ready to go from here on out. And he just needed to sit that one game out. I don't want this to be like he's going to sit one game out, play another game, sit one game out, play another game. I want him to be right. So he's ready to go for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I don't think Nevada – I mean you and I are Nevada friends. I I don't think there was really any issue with them making the tournament. No, no, no. And I don't think they needed him to beat San Diego State when you win by 25. So I I don't really know about this move. But regardless, they get the win. Great job. Texas A&M 85, Kentucky 74. Had this one pegged. A&M drops 59 on Kentucky in the second half, 59-44. Kentucky has absolutely no identity. They don't have a scorer. Their defense, is it there? Is it not there? Do they rebound? I don't know. Kentucky's a mess. Texas A&M is coming and they are coming quickly. I could see them being like a five seed man and being that sweet 16 matchup against a one. They're a problem. Here's what I'm going to say about Texas
1: A&M. They continue to baffle on the roster front because we got news today that they suspended. J.J. Caldwell and um, another uh, backcourt player for the rest of the season. What's going on out there? So their instability like continues to baffle. So as much as you want to say, "Oh, Texas A&M has this thing figured out. They're going to get a top." Like, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, and if you're going to continue to like run different people in your backcourt rotation when you have like two NBA bigs and like a borderline NBA wing and Hogue, how are you going to win anything? Like, it's basically you and me and like two other like, I don't know, three-star guys like running the backcourt for them.
0: Yeah, and it seems like there's no discipline there with Kennedy. I mean, it was Caldwell and it was Jay Chandler. Both Caldwell and Chandler were suspended indefinitely after they were arrested Sonny for possession of marijuana. And then finally they announced, they basically said that this wasn't Caldwell's first time. So Caldwell is gone. Yeah, caldwell, and, Caldwell's caldwell been in and out of the lineup all season. And Chandler, he was only 2.9 points per game, 1.9 rebounds. And then Chandler was four points and one rebound. So it just seems like it's a mess over there. Total, total mess. Yeah, and
1: they were relying on Caldwell to be like one of the you know ball handlers to get the ball to those guys. Uh, yeah, so may, maybe this might be addition by subtraction. We'll see moving forward.
0: Last one in the top 25. Eagles on the warpath through Boston College 72, Miami 70. You said this game was tricky. Gus, Boston College right now, in the tournament, yes or no? No, they're not in the tournament. I agree, but I think they're getting close. Uh,
1: how about this? How about they get two ACC wins?
0: 15-10. and 10, Do win or loss rest of season? They're 15-10 and 10 right now at Pittsburgh. Win. At uh, home Notre Dame. Ooh, that would be a nice win. At NC State. Loss. At Miami. Win. Syracuse, tricky loss at Florida State loss. Yeah, they're going to be eighteen and ten, which eighteen and um eighteen and thirteen, I think, which means they're going to have to have a couple wins. Yeah, there. yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. How about how about this? The fact that they're in the conversation exciting.
0: Totally agree. Yeah, go with that. Okay,
1: uh, Mike. How about uh, you want to give the listeners a little rundown of games? Does that sound okay? Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's do our uh, little quick thing here. You do your picks at at SDS Podcast screen. The screen aligns. Gus is fantastic. As always, he's doing a great job. I'll give you the point spreads from tomorrow. You give me your thoughts, and we'll take a look at it. Ready? Oh, nice. Okay, we got some spreads. I like it. North Carolina hosting Notre Dame. Matt Farrell back. It's nine and a half. Carolina by nine and a half. Good instinct. North Carolina, give all those points. West Virginia at home in a free fall minus six against TCU. I haven't riding TCU all year. Let, let, let's roll with them. Baylor, after the big win at home over Kansas, now has to go to Texas. Texas at home favored by three.
1: I really like Texas here. I think Baylor has a little bit of the big win hangover. Texas by three, that's a small number. Give me Texas, please.
0: All right, those are your only lines for tomorrow, partner. Okay, fair enough. I, uh, listen, listeners,
1: thank you so much for tuning in. Mike and I are kind of blown away at the numbers that the podcast is, is uh, explaining to us. You know, week after week, we just we're we're, the numbers just keep popping up, popping up, popping up, popping up. So thank you, thank you, thank you for spreading the word, whether it be via Twitter, whether it be whether it be be word of mouth. So thank you, Mike, and I totally appreciate it. If you like what you're listening to, you know, go to you know, I'm sorry, um, Apple uh, uh, Podcasts and and give us a five star review. We we'd really appreciate it. It would give us a little motivation moving towards March Madness. So don't be afraid to do that. So if you really like what you're listening to, you know, you can thank us that way. That'd be really cool. Uh, you like what we're listening to? Follow us on Twitter at SDS Podcast, efficiency of keystrokes, of course. You'd like to interact with the uh, with the podcast via G, uh, via Gmail. That sounds great. We will definitely do that with you. SDspodcast at gmail.com. Uh you're looking for a little screen the screener college basketball podcast in print please hit up mike's site randall rant mike has his short corner up there for you the short corner will give you everything inside of mike randall's mind i don't buy or beware i don't know if you want to go inside that mind <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking to see what's on mike's mind please do that and hit up the short corner that'd be awesome uh and uh, listeners thank you so much mike and i are always thankful we're really humbled by the attention that you're giving
0: us and um uh, thank you for spreading the good word on the screen the screener college basketball podcast partner one month from today it's selection sunday i can't wait i mean let's go are you
1: kidding me i can't even get over that that's crazy talk and uh, just one last thank you out there if you like your intro and outro music please don't forget to find uh, bell jar on itunes
0: absolutely uh, especially after having a beer with bell jar a couple weeks ago it was very nice to catch up with him in person absolutely very worthwhile hey we got through a podcast i didn't mention kevin willard how about that
1: <laughs> cheers cilantro grazie, to, got to yeah. i already got to everybody